0: We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card, you call the number for help and can't get a hold of anyone if you only had a Discover card. With 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. A real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com/slash credit card.
1: Escape to Ocean City, Maryland and discover a place that just feels lighter.
0: Welcome, everyone, to the School of Greatness Podcast. I'm so pumped right now. I'm in Vancouver, Canada. That's right. I'm having an incredible time. I just spoke at a conference called Man Talks. It's all about how to help evolve men overcome insecurities and become better men in the world, better husbands, better uh, fathers, better brothers, all those things. And we had an incredible time. Lots of great people came out. So thank you to everyone in Vancouver who came out to wait in line for me to sign your book. We had an incredible time together, got to say hi to so many people that listen to the podcast, and I'm so very blessed and grateful every time I meet someone that listens to the show. So thank you guys for listening and for being a part of this incredible community. And I had the chance to sit down with an incredible man. His name is Mark Sisson. He's the best-selling author of The Primal Blueprint and one of the leading voices in the evolutionary health movement. He's a former elite endurance athlete with a two-hour, 18-minute marathon and a fourth-place Hawaii Ironman finish. He's got a new book called Primal Endurance that applies the primal eating and lifestyle principles to the challenge of endurance training, helping athletes overcome the common conditions of burnout and carbohydrate dependency. And in this episode, we talk a lot about How to optimize your body and your health and your lifestyle. Really how to eat, sleep, and train in a way that will bring the most pleasure. Also, the importance of rest and recovery and how to recover effectively. How to become good at fat burning. And he talks about how to burn fat constantly throughout all day long. And how to become a fat burning machine by what you're eating and how you're moving. Why inconsistency in your workout and routine can help you. And best of all... How to look good naked. That's right. Everything and more in this episode with the one, the only, Mark Sisson. Welcome back, everyone. the School of Greatness Podcast. We've got a huge guest in, Mark Sisson, in the house. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. I'm pumped. Uh, I heard about you, I think, probably like seven or eight years ago when I started kind of getting in the blogging world, the social media blogging world, and just kind of like dipping my toes in. You were a huge success already in the fitness space and you had a book out called Primal Blueprint. Right. Or The Primal Blueprint. Is that right? Correct. And um, I think you had like a couple hundred thousand subscribers at the time. Maybe this was 2009, 2010. But you were already kind of just crushing it in the fitness space and as and doing very well as a blogger. And that's how I first heard about you. Right. And since then, you've got like tons of products in terms of you had supplements before then, but you've got about 20-something books, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got... Food, products, training, restaurants, you've got everything, right? right Fitness right. programs, you've right. just kind of expanded the brand, which is really cool to see. Uh, and you've got a new book out today called Primal Endurance uh, as one of the new books. And we'll, I want to dive into what you just mentioned beforehand before we started this interview is talking about your lifestyle and mm-hmm. the whole philosophy and the approach to your lifestyle, whether you want to be an endurance Athlete, or have endurance in your life, or you want to put on mass, or you want to get lean, or whatever it may be. Right. You have a specific lifestyle that I've always been excited about. When you came in here, uh, you were talking about how I have the same stand-up desk as you, and I was like, "Yes, if I'm doing something <laughs> that Mark is doing, I feel like I'm doing it right." Right. So I just want to dive into what this philosophy is and and how you actually live.
3: Right. So uh, my main goal is to live awesome. That's the okay. tagline. That's the motto of our company. Uh huh. Primal Blueprint, live awesome. And what does that mean? It means extracting the greatest amount of pleasure, enjoyment, contentment, fulfillment, uh, you, that's possible out of every possible moment. Mm. Now, there are going to be bad times, of course, but to, to, to live in the moment, to appreciate the now, to, uh, appreciate the relationships, uh, to have fun when you're, when you're working out, mm-hmm. uh, to enjoy every single bite of food you ever eat and not <laughs> choke something down be, just because it's healthy. Mm. So, so it, it really revolves around orchestrating a life way of pleasure, of, of hedonistic experiences in the context of this, you know, modern world that we have here. Understanding that we sit here with hunter-gatherer genes that have certain mm. sort of uh, proclivities and expectations of us that we can meet either through natural means or through, um, artificial means. And sometimes th- there's not a right answer, but it's about choices. So how do I make choices that serve me in the short term? That give me pleasure, that don't harm me in the long term. Mm. So it's sort of an overview of what we're we're up against here. But you know, as you drill down, as you boil it, it boil it down, and distill it down to what does it look like? It looks like you know, what are the types of foods that we choose to eat that turn on genes that build muscle or burn fat? What are the types of uh, you know, how how much sun exposure do we get that allows us to make vitamin D and get tan, but not too much so we get burned? How much sleep do we get that and by the way, sleep is a very pleasurable thing if you mm-hmm. if you are willing to acknowledge that. Yes. How much sleep do we get in a in a way that that uh, reinvigorates us and allows us to to be creative on a daily basis and not brag about how well we do on so little sleep, you know? So all these, mm-hmm. you know, how do we use our brain uh, on a regular basis beyond just the rote stuff of, you know, checking the the PDAs, but how do we do, we do puzzles? Do we play games? Do we, you know, do mm. we do are we creative? Do we play musical instruments? Do we learn a language? How do we use our brain? Um all these things make the totality of the human experience, and I love to look at all the ways in which we can choose these behaviors that manifest themselves as pleasurable, enjoyable, uh, providing contentment and fulfillment, and, and, and build us toward a better human being.
0: Mm. When did you start to, you know, take this on? You know, because you were a as a tri- triathlete. Yeah, I well, was a marathoner Marath-
3: uh, in the uh, in the 70s. Wow. And actually the late 60s and early 70s. Wow. And uh, and from there went to triathlon. Um, I was always trying to, you know, improve optimize myself, performance, optimize uh, yeah. performance. Yes. Um using the tools of the day, which were pretty rudimentary. It's like, <laughs> yeah. all right, run a lot of miles and eat lots of carbohydrates mm-hmm. and you'll be you'll be where you need to be. Well, right. you know, that's what that's what we knew, that's all we knew and it wasn't Exactly appropriate. Mm. So over the years, I got injured, I got sick from the overtraining, from the diet, which was very highly inflammatory it caused sorts of, and caused uh, sort of pastas and breads
0: or what? All that stuff that they said you had to eat. Pasta. I, mean, I yeah. had so many pasta meals, yeah. and pizza meals, yeah. like lasagna meals the night before every game. Yeah. And I remember just being so exhausted in every game yeah. high school, college, pro it was just like exhaustion. Right. Yawning. So, I would yawn. No, so that's much. that's that's a classic I symptom like, why of it? Yawning? right? I'm supposed to be excited
3: about exactly. the game and I pumped a, up. I wanted to take a nap. I wanted to take a nap. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So so we have these sort of old conventional wisdom technologies that we were using to to improve performance theoretically, yes. Yes. and they weren't. So uh I basically ended my career early, prematurely. I was I was too injured to continue running. Um, I was my my health had suffered. I had you know, arthritis and tendonitis and irritable bowel syndrome, and I got sick a lot, and I had uh, heartburn and uh, hemorrhoids, and I was like a real wreck. I mean, here's theoretically the picture of health because of the training I was doing, <laughs> sure. but I was falling apart on the inside. So wow. I sort of rededicated my life to figuring out how I could be fit and strong and lean and happy and healthy at the same time without being uh, overly, you know, without too much struggle and sacrifice and suffering. You know, is there an easy way, an easier way to be all those things I wanted to be Mm. that, that allowed me to have more pleasure in the moment and didn't sacrifice my long-term health? Uh, so that's, that was the big shift in me. And it's, and it's been going on for 35 years and it continues to go on. So I, as, as soon as I made that shift, I started doing the research. I started, I mean, I wrote my first book in 82, you know, on how to, how to uh, train for triathlons. And even then, I was calling upon evolution as the main basis for how we train. Hmm. And I was looking at, um, the previous few years of, of triathletes. Cause in 82, there hadn't even been a decade of, of triathlon training. Wow. But I, I already recognized that we were doing it wrong. We were training too hard. We were, we were, um, too putting our, ourselves- too many, too many miles, too much, too, you know, um, too much redlining the heart and the body, and, 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 and there was a better way and an easier way to do it. Right. So I started recognizing it, recognizing that back in 82. And then it's even, even up until three years ago, uh, when I started researching the primal endurance book, I started thinking, well, you know, all of the science continues to show us that the old choice was probably a wrong choice, that reliance on carbohydrates and that. That uh, intent of of managing our glycogen stores in our muscles was kind of the wrong approach, and maybe we ought to come at it from the exact opposite end of the spectrum, which is how do we become really good at burning fat and in so doing spare glycogen and in so doing uh, unburden ourselves of having to take in so much carbohydrate in the form of Pasta and breads and cereals and rice and
0: crackers and cookies and all the other stuff. Sure, sure. And you're you're 62, right? Yeah, right. And you're like leaner than anyone I know. So, how what's the most effective way to burn fat and still be
3: strong? Yeah, of course. You know, uh, as we said initially in the Primal Blueprint, Mm -hmm. uh, and I've said it. Decades before the, I wrote the print, 80% of your body composition is determined by how you eat. So if you – there's a certain way in which you can eat where you can literally reprogram your genes to derive most of your energy from your stored body fat. Really? Yes. So as opposed to um, waking up, being hungry, having breakfast, um, being hungry at, a, at the 10.30 break, being hungry for lunch, having a snack in the afternoon, having a dinner and having a snack before you go to bed, which is this sort of standard American approach like – uh, even mm-hmm. the old bodybuilders would say, "Don't go more than three hours without eating, or you will cannibalize your muscle tissue." Right. That was all based on an assumption that we had to burn carbohydrate, and had to had to access glucose and glycogen for the muscles to be able to to continue to to work. It never contemplated that we are obligate fat burners. We are born with this amazing ability to extract calories from stored body fat, hmm. and the and the reason that we don't, as we go through life, is we Present, are you? You know, you're two years old. You're eating cookies and crackers and right. mushed peas and Ice all sorts of carb- yeah. all that stuff. And so your body learns to depend on on glucose, on mm. carbohydrates as a source of energy, and never really gets to the point where you force it to burn fat. Wow. So what we do is we 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 shift the diet around. It's not painful. You get rid of the breads, the pastas, the cereals, the crackers. The cookies, the candies, the sweetened soft drinks. Well, it does sound kind of, gross, doesn't it? But, <laughs> but, but what you're left with is meat, fish, fowl, eggs, nuts, seeds, vegetables, a little bit of fruit, mm-hmm. um, some starchy tubers like sweet potatoes, things like that. Those are great tasting foods if you yeah. eat them right. And, and, and they're you, real food. And, and they're real food. And you can <laughs> use butter and lard and, and you can eat bacon on this, on this program. And what it does is it reduces mm-hmm. the amount of simple sugars and carbohydrates you take in and just sort of forces gently forces your body to to upregulate all the enzyme systems that access stored body fat and burn mm. it and allow you to have more energy throughout the day without having to eat so often. So the first thing that happens is your appetite self regulates. So now you, 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 you get into this space where you become a good bat, fat burner. You start to melt away. Not you're not as excess. hungry because you're in. not – And you're not as hungry because you're always carrying around a meal. Yeah. It's on your thighs. It's on your ass. It's on your belly, wherever <laughs> yeah. it is. It's – you know, that's – your body becomes so adept at accessing those stored calories. It says, I don't need to eat. I'm really not that hungry. Wow.
0: Yeah, and and that's so empowering for so many people. But when – you you know, I was a – Still love sugar, but yeah. I used to be really bad at sugar. I feel like I have much more under control. But I feel like when you're eating a lot of candy, sweets, and sugar, you're never satisfied. You just want to eat more and more and more. But that's the, the, until and that, you're sick. And no, you're exactly. Like, oh, no, yeah, I'm no, full because I'm sick now.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I, the <laughs> stories of Lamar Odom eating four pounds of candy before, before, games? before four games or whatever. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, we are look. We're all hardwired. now? we're all. But it's by the sort of, way, sugar is a very addictive substance. It's so addictive. So. Um, you know, we're all hardwired to seek out sweet things. That's part of that hunter gatherer DNA that we all carry really? that hasn't changed in, in thousands of years. So, yeah. how do we
0: shift our minds? So, you,
3: the, the first way you do it is, is you go from the craving, which is what you're talking about. Like, you crave sugar, so you eat sugar, and then that just promotes more craving, and it gets you into this sort of addictive cycle. You're actually you producing sort of opiate like substances that are, that are, occupying receptor sites that are giving you f- sort of a feel-good uh, experience. Mm-hmm. So you got to kind of be willing to to get rid of that. So you get rid of the candies, you get rid of the s- uh, sweetened beverages, the soft drinks, the teas, and you get rid of the carbohydrates that uh, – not all carbs, but the, the the breads that convert to glucose in the bloodstream uh-huh. so rapidly. So now you've lowered your blood, your your glucose experience on a daily basis. So now – The brain is starting to get, you know, I don't need to really get that much glucose. You know, I can, I can, uh, the body is burning more fat. As a result of you being able to burn fat, you you create these byproducts called ketones, which the brain loves to burn ketones Mm. and burns them preferentially. So you, you need less and less sugar to, you know, maintain clarity throughout the day. If you're, if you haven't become fat adapted and you're a sugar burner, which is what we it's not a derogatory term, but we <laughs> use a term to describe people who haven't become fat burners yet. They're sugar burners. Uh-huh. If you don't eat, it's true. If you don't eat for a couple of hours, your blood sugar dips because you haven't learned how to burn fat yet. You don't know how to access it. You can't take it out of storage and burn it. So now the blood sugar is low. The brain goes, "I gotta go get some more glucose. I gotta get energy somewhere." Some sugar, so,
0: something. Sugar, Garbs. something. So
3: you have the bagel at you know at ten thirty in the oh my morning, gosh. or you have. The, Tastes
0: amazing. Well, for, for an hour and then it's <laughs> no
3: exactly, but then you're hungry again, and <laughs> yes. that's the and that's this vicious cycle. So yeah. if we can, um, you know, take the steps, we say it takes 21 days. That's why I have a book called "The 21 Day Total Body Transformation." 21 days of this uh, mm. cutting these these uh, sugars and and starchy um, not starchy but uh, uh, simple carbohydrates uh, out of your mm. diet, and just focusing on healthy fats and lean proteins and and uh, and vegetables. Right, uh, you get you, your body gets the message and it says, "I'm not going to be getting that much glucose. I'm going to learn how to burn fat, and I'm going to do it well. Damn it!" Mm. And and it and then it takes the fat out of your body fat stores. So right. over time, you lose a pound, two pounds a week, uh, and you trend toward your ideal mm. body composition. Wow! So all of this is a 10 minute long-winded uh, answer to your uh, question of how you know what does it take to, to you know to burn fat. It doesn't take a lot of exercise. It mostly takes right. the dietary shift. Right. Yeah, you got to do some exercise. Mm -hmm. You don't have to do anything, but you can choose to do some exercise. It'll help accelerate. And it'll help accelerate it a little bit, but most of it happens as a result of the shifts you make in your diet. Absolutely. It's all
0: in the kitchen. Yep. So you can get abs in the kitchen and not do anything different working out. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So what's the difference between... Because it sounds like a little paleo-ish. What's the difference between primal, paleo, and like a Bulletproof, which has kind of been picking up as well? You know,
3: they're all sort of versions of a similar theme, which is to cut the the sugars way down, cut the processed carbohydrates way down, get rid of the industrial seed oil. So that would be the soybean oil, the corn oil, the canola, Mm. which are causing uh, inflammatory responses in a lot of people. And just kind of go to real food. Yeah. Uh, With the primal blueprint, we said uh, at some point, um, you know, dairy – if you like it, why not include it in your in your diet if I you don't have it. an issue with it, right? I love it. So, but all these foods exist on a spectrum. So yes. dairy, you know, there, there's raw raw milk, which is which is good for you. Uh, there's A2 protein, which is a form of case casein. Um, we could have a whole discussion about the different mm-hmm. types of cows and the different types of protein that they make. But on on the far end of the spectrum, the good end, there's butter, there's cream, there's all these things. At the other end, at the bad end, there's two percent skim, homogenized, pasteurized, nonfat. Whatever, stay away from that stuff. Yeah, you know. So um, all these foods sort of exist on a spectrum. So cheeses, for instance, part of the dairy family. Um, I love cheese. I love. So, cheese. So you know, I, we we include it in our eating strategy because we say there's no real reason not to mm, um, the right pri- uh, paleo. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Artisanal cheeses, and there's good and bad cheeses as well. Um, but on the paleo program or the paleo strategy is pretty strict for a lot of people. So no they would cheese, say right. no dairy at all yeah. of any kind. So no milk, no butter, no, no, no mm. cream, no cheese. Uh, so that's, you know, the, the, there, there are little variations, little variations in this here,
0: but mostly whole foods.
3: Mostly whole foods is what, is yeah. what we're all looking at. I mean, if, even if you look at a vegan experience these days or a vegetarian experience, mm-hmm. it, it's really these dietary programs work largely as a result of what you eliminate. Not what you're eating, mm-hmm. right? Right. So if you eliminate the crap, and you're left, even if you're only eating vegetables, as long as you're getting enough protein, you should
0: be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Um, what is uh, LGN? <laughs> and how does it motivate you?
3: Yeah. So LGN is look good naked, and it's a you know it's just a little mnemonic device we've used for the last ten years. I think people have used it before, but we we sort of made it a meme for a while, uh, and it's just this idea that one of the things that we are seeking is we want to we want to look good naked. We want to, and, and I think that happens for a lot of people. That's uh, that's a subset of their greater goal, or it's a side effect of mm-hmm. the original intent. The original intention right. for a lot of people go to prim, to Primal Blueprint and to Mark's Daily Apple, my blog, is they're frustrated. They they they're sick. Uh, they can't get off the meds. Uh, they've had health issues and they've not been able to resolve them through the traditional medical channels. So a lot of people come to me. Having had that experience in the medical community, not a good one. Hmm. So the first thing that they they recognize is you know their blood sugar normalizes, or their polycystic ovarian syndrome goes away, or their uh, irritable bowel syndrome uh, goes away, or their GERD or whatever it is that they're dealing with goes away, and that's right. that's wonderful. And then they go, oh by the way, I'm losing some weight too. That's awesome as well and I'm starting to look good naked. Right. So it becomes nice. a nice side, side effect, effect. Yeah. gotcha. So what's a
0: typical eating day look like for you? Like what are you putting in your system? Yeah, so what
3: time do you put Yeah, in? so I wake up in the morning and I have a cup of coffee around 6:30 in the morning. Wow. Um I like coffee, I'm a big fan of coffee. Um I don't eat until 12:30 or 1. Okay. So I use what we call a compressed eating window. Mm. Now I will wake up and I have plenty of energy because I'm so good at burning fat. I've trained my body to do that.
0: too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on StateFarm.com where their award winning app State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That so I don't have the energy, you don't I need. have the
3: energy. I'm not I'm not in a in a slump waking up from having not eaten for the twelve hours that I was sleeping uh It doesn't matter. I'm so good at accessing the stored body fat. I got plenty of energy. In fact, I'll go to the gym at nine thirty or ten o'clock, and I'll do my workout fasted. Sometimes it'll be a heavy leg day. Sometimes it'll be, you know, intervals of some kind. um Again, I don't. And, I'll and you do feel it. fine. I feel fine, right? And then when I get home, I won't eat. If I get home at like eleven, I still won't eat for an hour and a half. Um, partly because I'm not hungry. Right, and right. partly because I got stuff to do, right? Right, 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 so, exactly. But I'm not compelled to go, oh, my God, I just finished my workout. Yeah. I must eat a post-workout shake or something.
0: Yeah, there's so many people that say that, you know, have a protein shake within the first 30 minutes of waking up to start your metabolism, drink a shake right after a workout. Why do they say that? And why do you think you don't need to? Um, I think you don't need to because if you become good at burning fat,
3: uh, a couple things happen. First of all, you have the energy to get. Through the day. Second of all, if you're good at burning fat and you're not hungry, I say if you're not hungry, wh- why are you eating? Hmm. If you're not hungry, don't eat because that's 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 kind of key. Um, when you become good at burning fat, you don't you don't enter that. Cannibalistic zone that mm. the bodybuilders enter when they're dependent on carbs a lot, which is you start to tear up your muscle tissue, because when you're a sugar burner and you run out of sugar and or you're you, you know you, you're depending on carbohydrate. By the way, I use glycogen, glucose, carbohydrate, and sugar sort of interchangeably. Okay. But when you're a sugar burner and you haven't eaten for a while, you've depleted the glycogen in your liver and your muscles because. Your body's expecting you to have sugar all this time, and that's gotcha. where you store it, but you don't store very much of it. So when you run out of it, the brain... You need to fill it up. The brain goes, hey, something's off here. We got to eat. And if we don't eat, then here's what we're going to do. We're going we're to signal the adrenals to create cortisol, which is going to go tear down muscle tissue mm. so that the amino acids can be sent to the liver to be converted into glucose so I can fuel the brain. <laughs> so it's like you're tearing down the muscle you just spent all the time trying to build mm. because of your dependence on glucose all that goes away when you become a fat burner when you become really? good at burning fat now when you don't eat your body knows how to access the stored body fat so your your energy levels don't dip your blood sugar doesn't doesn't dip uh and so you don't you don't cut into muscle tissue gotcha so, so you
0: can train really hard to try to build muscle yeah and you're still saying you don't need this like Post recovery shake right afterwards if you learn how to eat the right way. Exactly.
3: Exactly. Now, if you're, again, if you're the old paradigm and you are the carbohydrate dependent athlete, then yeah, you probably do want to. Eat a, a post workout meal because uh, you probably will cannibalize some of the muscle tissue because right. you, because you're working on an entirely different operating system.
0: Interesting. Man. And so that 21 day transformation is how you get off of that yep. cycle and get into the fat burning cycle yep. essentially. Exactly. Okay. Cool. Yep. We'll have that linked up here as yep. well. And,
3: and also the primal endurance, the book you has know, this, a lot of it in there. This the has, this has it all in here, but this is really, uh specific to people who want to race ten Ks, five Ks, marathons, triathlons, Spartan yes. races, all that stuff.
0: Gotcha. Yes. Have you done a Spartan race yourself? I haven't. I did one, a short one, like a five mile It's pretty intense. Yeah, it's intense. It's fun though. It's fun though.
3: I wish I wish it had been around when I was in my prime 20, when my prime. Because you would have been a machine. Because I was a I was a good marathoner. Um, but I got my you know I had my DNA fitness thing done a few years ago. And I was like uh, 57% endurance and 43% strength. What that means is it made me a pretty good endurance athlete, but I was never going to be the best in the world because to be you'd have to be 80% or 85%, yeah. right? But it also told me that I had the strength, which is sort of in retrospect, that's why I realized I used to lift weights. Even when I was a, a marathoner, I lifted weights in the gym. Yeah. So I I maintained my strength. Wow. And I was a gymnast before I was ever an endurance athlete. Really? So you look at the Spartan races and you go, well, that's, you know, it's got some gymnastics, some, you know, some parkour yes. type movements, rope climbing, some, some rope, yeah, 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 some some heavy lifting, all that stuff combined with the endurance. Mm-hmm. That would have been your thing. My thing. Wow. But right now it's like um I just I'm uh I'm too guarding of my of my current fitness level and health i don't want to get injured mm-hmm. you know and yeah of course so like the big thing for me is my ultimate frisbee game once a week I you're play, an ultimate frisbee oh my god i, play, I
0: love ultimate frisbee
3: you got to come out to malibu man college
0: champion with my team in college get out of here which, which it's uh, been a small yeah. small d3 school it wasn't like whatever the man team, but uh you know what so
3: I we, we got to and, we have to we have a game in malibu yeah, ev- in. every sunday at 9 30 it's crazy it's yeah. been years but i'd love to come no no, no it's the most fun can you wear cleats you can wear cleats. I wear my Vibrams, but of guys, course. yeah, guys wear cleats. Wow. No, it's, it's,
0: anyway, so you know. love to come. You know what a good workout it is then. That's one of the hardest workouts. An hour of ultimate and I'm exhausted. We play two, we play two hours by the way. Oh so my gosh. Yeah. I would be like, sub me in. 15 minutes. I'd have to get back in the shape for it. Wow. That's cool. In Malibu, huh? In Malibu, yeah. 9.30s. 9.30 a.m. Yep. I'll be there. When it's and there's time. guys from West Hollywood that come out there too. I will come out for yeah. sure. Was it like 30 guys go out there?
3: We get, uh, um, last week we had six on six. That's, a, that's the most fun. Oh, wow. This summer we'll have 10 on 10 sometimes. It's a little bit crazy, but yeah. Wow. Yeah.
0: Okay. Awesome. Um, okay. So you wait until about, you have coffee in the morning, then you wait till about noon to one. Oh, yeah. We haven't even gotten to my, then, any food yet. <laughs> and then what's that? And then what do you, what's, and what is that meal? Yeah. So and that meal is typically, eat? it
3: might be, uh, what I call a big ass salad. You know, okay. it's a big salad with lots of vegetables in it and some form of protein with lots of salad dressing. Um if you make you dressing, have your own salad dressing. And now I have my own salad dressing because I couldn't find any that I could put a lot yes. on and feel like
0: this is that isn't filled with sugar. Yeah. Exactly. Or
3: or or unhealthy fats or unhealthy oils like the mm-hmm. soybean oil that I was talking about or the mm-hmm. canola. You know, it's like no canola. This is our our um salad dressings are made with avocado oil, which is wow. the healthiest of all the oils. Wow. So I'll have a big salad with with Chicken from leftover from the previous night, or a piece of fish, or something on it. Nice, okay. And then, and then uh, I go till the middle of the d- middle of the afternoon, maybe late afternoon. I might have a handful of macadamia nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, we do make a uh, we we make we make a protein bar now. Yes, All my products is. I make for myself, by the way. Just right, so you know, right. I make stuff that I wish existed. Uh-huh. That uh, so so. This one, the dark chocolate, the dark bar? chocolate almond it bar, it's amazing. It is amazing, and it's got. Um, uh, they're 15 grams of protein, but but mostly it's nine grams of collagen. So the it's got more collagen than a cup of bone broth. So you know, I'm I love bone broth, wow. but it, it you know as a Drink quick that, yeah. when I'm driving my car, you know, with a we <laughs>
0: pour out a bottle of bone broth. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: So so the, the bars are, are are there because I'm really into the repair. So mm. one of the issues I have as a 62 year old guy trying to keep up with 20 somethings right. on a sprint to the end zone or to defend a long pass is my Achilles you know uh so so uh the collagen really works well really for absolutely keep seeing i I know that I can tell the difference between when I've been eating a lot of collagen and when I haven't in in and my Achilles. in my Achilles, yeah,
0: what happens just tighter when you're not yeah, there? they feel
3: like they're gonna snap really? and and I'll and i'll they'll they'll feel sore enough that I'll choose not a back way off on, on for weeks at a time so uh so anyway, so that's I might have a I might have a dark chocolate almond bar. In the afternoon. I'm going to have to get all this stuff. Yeah. I'm going to have to try it all yeah. out. Um, okay. And the then afternoon. and then in the evening, um, you know, I have to have a, a piece of steak. I've got this great Wagyu uh, short rib that I get. It's my favorite cut of meat mm. anywhere in the world. Uh, and I'll have that with a whole ton of uh, steamed vegetables or lightly grilled vegetables with some butter on it. And uh, once well, in a while, nice. I'll have a glass of wine. And that's it. That's, and that's the whole day.
0: Yeah. You don't so need much more so, than that.
3: No, so here's the thing: it, 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 you you may have gleaned from that that uh, it's not a lot of food, right? And one of the things that you realize when you become good at burning fat, you don't need a lot of food. You need, you don't need a lot of food. So mm. a few years ago, um, you know, I had this thought experiment. I got I thought, well, you know, I used to my whole life see what I could get away with, see how much food I could eat and not. Feel like I was going to puke, or not feel like I was going to gain weight, right? It's how much food can I eat and not mm-hmm. and not gain weight. And I think I think a lot of people live their lives that way. They sort of finish what's on their plate. They uh, basically there are a lot of people who run or work out just so they can eat more. Like, why yes. do you run so much, Lewis, Well, I run because I can. Love the I love to right? eat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love to. Well, dude, I love to eat too. Yeah. But I don't. I don't want to beat myself up. Sure. Just yeah, sure. so I can eat more. Uh, So that was the thought experiment. And then if you reverse it, you go, well, if that's the case, what's the least amount of food I can eat and maintain my body mass, maintain my energy, not get sick, and most importantly, not be hungry? Mm. And it turns out it's about 30% fewer calories than I used to eat. Wow. Yeah. So I learned... Within the last uh, ten years, I, I've learned, you know, to sort of halfway through a meal, ask myself just sort of subconsciously, am I really hungry for the next bite? Not am I full, not am I, you know, whatever, but am I am I truly hungry for the next bite? And if I'm not, I'm okay pushing the plate away, wrapping it up, throwing it away, giving mm-hmm. it away whatever, uh, because I know there's food wherever I want, whenever I right. want. So it's not like I'm trying to pack on the.
0: Trying to stuff it, yeah. Yeah. What if you just enjoy it? Well,
3: if you enjoy it, keep going. Yeah. But um, you have a lot of times you get into that space where you go, you know, am I eating this because, because it's, it's still there? Because or, it's still there? Yeah. Am I truly eating it because I enjoy it, or, mm-hmm. or am I, you know, like I used to, I, I had a habit of uh, one half gallon of ice cream a night oh, for five years.
0: That sounds amazing. It was amazing, <laughs> and, I, and I was, it was in my.
3: Training day, so right. burned it all off, never yes. gained any weight. I actually weighed probably 20 pounds less than I weigh now. Wow. Yeah. Um, and, but it was a half gallon of, of ice cream every night. And it was like, I couldn't, st- I couldn't only eat a pint. It was like a pint of ice cream. Don't even, <laughs> like, why am I going to get started on that? I'm just going to, I'm just going to, you know, Three rip, scoops, yeah. rip your throat off and it would want more, you know, it's yeah, whatever, yeah. rip your head off. So, so I would, and if I, it was 10 o'clock at night and I didn't have any ice cream in the house, I'd get in the car and drive wow. and get some. It was, it was like a real addiction, a real sugar addiction. Clearly, I got rid of that. But, but it was, you know, I wonder at times whether the, I had described this, it's a half gallon is my dose of ice cream. Right. And even though I could have satisfied myself with a pint or a half a pint, because it was there, because I, I, you know, could eat it and i could get away with it that became my dose it's wow. like people have a you know bag of potato chips you know you have a little individual serving size of potato no, chips The whole bag and you have one this big there's still to some people each one is is an individual
0: serving it size is, right? it is it's tough to just yeah. have a few chips in the big bags yeah um so what are these you know for athletes listening or for people that want to get back into their athletic ways you know i used to be a professional athlete and i'm still i consider myself an athlete you've got uh nine pieces of primal advice for athletes. But I think a lot of entrepreneurs could live this way yeah. too and yeah. still like, be better entrepreneurs, be more productive, have better relationships, be sharper, all these different things. And I think everything you do to be a better athlete makes you a better entrepreneur. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Uh, but you talk about adequate sleep and this is something I've been talking about a lot lately on my podcast and bringing out different sleep experts, but why just emphasize is sleep important for you? I
3: mean, sleep is when the body renews and regenerates, repairs Mm -hmm. itself. It's when uh, a lot of the neural networking happens. To overlook sleep and to think, well, you know, I can sleep when I'm dead. Well, you know, that just is so such faulty logic. Yeah, Uh, It's so critical and so important. I try to get eight hours a night myself. Um, If I get less than six for some reason – I, I feel it, I know it, I try to make up for it. I try not to let that happen. Mm. Um, I try I try not to schedule late nights because I wake up at the same time pretty much every morning. So if 6 I 6
0: am wake up or
3: yeah 6: 6 am 6.30. Yeah. But if I were to go to bed at one, I'd still wake up at my normal time. Yeah. And so I, I have to really force myself to not force myself because I'm tired at the end of the day. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, and I and I have this whole wind down. Process. You know, my, that? We, so my wife and I will, we'll watch some, uh, we'll do some television, uh, after dinner. Um, we'll catch up on, we'll do some, some binge watching, catching up of yes. whatever the latest series was. Uh, but around 10, we'll break. Uh, I, I have a pool in my backyard and a jacuzzi. Mm-hmm. So I go into the, the pool's unheated. So in the wintertime, it might be in the 50s. Wow. I'll walk into the pool and, and hang out there for a couple of minutes and get really, really cold, but not to the point of shivering. Just, it's kind of a, process in and of itself. Then I'll get in the jacuzzi. So my wife and I'll hang out in the jacuzzi. And we'll just recap what the day's events were. It's very, uh, we turn off all the lights in the house. We have a fire pit um. out there. So there's a real sort of a primal cave, caveman kind of mm. thing to that. Um, then I'll just finish off with another minute in the cold and we and towel off and go up to bed. And I sleep like a baby as a result of that. Wow. So The that's, hot, that's, cold therapy. Yeah, the hot, cold therapy. And that's kind of how I wind my day down. And that pr- prepares me to sleep Brings my body temperature down, um, which is uh, you know they they say that you're that uh, you should have your uh, lower body temperature to sleep better. Mm. Um, we keep the room around sixty seven. Yes. Um, we have blackout curtains, so it's a real cool sleeping environment. Mm-hmm. You know. Yes. Um, I always
0: like to keep it cold. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so if you do like a cold shower before bed, you think that's a good thing? I think it's a good thing. Yeah. It'll help you sleep better. I think so. Try it. I mean, you yeah. can't hurt. Okay. Yeah. You talk about stress and rest balance. What does that mean?
3: Well. Uh, you know, you, there are certain stresses in your life that are unavoidable mm-hmm. work stress, uh, commuting stress, right, uh, right. Sometimes training, waiting stress. in
0: the lobby for 45 <laughs> minutes, stress. Sorry. <laughs> uh, well,
3: I'm more stressed about the traffic coming from it, right? Because right, right, right. you never know what it's going to be. It could be, you know, I, I planned for two hours, I got here in an hour and, or I got here in less than an hour, right? So, it's good. Yeah. But, so, so you have these stresses, um, and some of them are imagined, even though your brain thinks they're real. They're, they're they are real they they do not exist. Mm-hmm. You know, The our stress mechanisms in the body were, they evolved to handle true life or death situations. You know, a tiger bearing down upon you, right. uh, an, an infection that's going to, that's going to kill you, a broken leg that may, you know, whatever, uh, have its impa- impact on you. Not, uh, you know, am I going to miss my kid's rehearsal or am I going to be right, late right, for right. work or whatever that's those, those are, Cause stress but they're not life threatening and yet we the brain sees them as life threatening so the 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 message here is that you sort of have to identify stresses and then appropriately orchestrate certain re- rest and recovery now uh, we talked about this before the show that uh, meditation is a form of mm-hmm. of, of rest and recovery uh, but just taking maybe if you need a nap you can you can right. do that but certainly that that goes back to the whole sleep thing being being, being critical. But the other part of rest is recognizing, if you're an athlete, recognizing when it's just inappropriate to go out and train just because your schedule says, I have to go do six miles yes. today. Mm. You know, if you, if you wake up that day and you feel like crap and you, and, and the metrics, you know, the heart rate uh, variability is wrong or, or you're just not feeling good, then you're better off taking that day off than plowing through it and right. and being able to write in your logbook, yeah, I got through the workout. Felt like crap, but
0: I got through the workout. I was just rested that day. Just rested yeah. that, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. and The third thing you talk about is personalized schedule and inconsistency is the key. So in in um, in primal
3: endurance, we go back to that philosophy that the body, you know, is a very um, uh, sort of temperamental. Uh, it's in temperamental states back and forth. Sometimes you're in a state of of energy and health and sometimes you're not. And you can't really plan on when those states are going to be. So you have to be Mm. willing to listen to the cues. And for that reason, we say inconsistency is the key to consistent racing if you're an athlete. Mm. So it's it's when you feel good, you can go hard. When you don't feel good, back off, Uh, take time off. We use the term periodicity so you can periodize your training so that there's there are uh tranches of of training days a week at a time where you're really going deep, deep, hard, hard, and then you might take a week off right. or take it real easy and back off. You can break those further up into, into quarterly annual segments, uh always with the idea that some days are going to be good, some days are going to be bad. You're going to trend toward wanting to build to ratchet up over time, but you're okay kind of not doing stuff uh, as, as hard. Mm. And so it, it doesn't become this linear kind of progress. It becomes
0: more of a fractal thing that trends toward improvement. Gotcha. Uh, the next thing you talk about is aerobic emphasis, train slow to race fast. What does that mean? Yeah. So this is the toughest
3: one for current endurance athletes to really, to, to, to grok. And that is, um, a lot of athletes, and I was certainly one for 20 years, you, you basically go out and you train to hurt. So you run or you ride or you swim at a heart rate that's, you know, 75 to 90% of your max heart rate. Mm. And you see how long you can hold that, right? right? And, and so you're training to hurt and it's, and it's, and it hurts, you know, there's, it it does hurt you, but you feel tough as a result of it. And the, but the problem is you're not really training the body to be, become more efficient. You're just training yourself to hurt. So when we talk about efficiency in racing, we go back to the original premise about, Glu- glucose and glycogen being sort of this determining factor in in muscle tissue. When you run out of glycogen, you sort of hit the wall. So how do you manage glycogen? Well, one way would be to eat a lot of carbohydrates and drink a lot of gels during the race. The other would be to become mm-hmm. so good at burning fat that you never really tap into that glycogen. Interesting. So we train you to become so good at burning fat. Now, that's the 80% that we talked about with the diet. But the other part of that for the endurance athlete is if you train at a low enough heart rate that you are it, – it it's – Typically it's 180 minus your age. So let's just say you're 40 years old. So 180 minus 40 is 140. So that's going to be your maximum heart rate. You're never in your training. You're not going to go above that. You set your watch, you set your heart monitor to, to give you a signal as soon as you get above 140. Now you, you start out and you, at that 140, maybe you could only run 13 minute miles, even though you're capable of running seven minute miles at 175 beats a minute. Or whatever. Right. But now what we're doing is we're measuring how good you are at burning fat. And we know that at that, at that number, 180 minus your age, that's the highest rate that you could put oxygen through your system and, and know that you're burning mostly fat. And really? we know that because that's the, that's the pace at which you could breathe, you could close your mouth and breathe through your nose and get oh. plenty of oxygen. Or that's the pace at which you could be with a training partner and talk without losing your breath. Mm. Once you start losing your, or, Having to catch up or having to get winded, we know that you're going into burning. You're you're building up lactic acid. You're not burning fat. You, you're not burning fat, or you're burning less fat and starting to burn more sugar. So we want to we want you to be at the highest end of your of your fat burning without tapping into your sort of glycolytic uh, uh, mm. abilities. And we know that number to be generally around 180 minus your age. So now the idea is you go out and you train, and the first day you go out, you're in 13 minute miles, and that's as fast as you can go without the heart rate um you know uh bumping up to over 140 well you're not very good at burning fat you might be good at burning sugar like i say you might be able to run 7 minute miles or 6 minute right, miles right right so but over time if you stay at that high heart at that maximum heart rate of which is low much lower than you're used to you find yourself running 12 minute miles and then 11 minute miles and then 10 30s and 10 and 9 30s and what it means is even though the heart rate hasn't changed you're still putting the same amount of oxygen through mm. now you're burning more fat so you're becoming more efficient at burning fat. So that when you do decide to ramp up and, and throw in the the interval training and the weight stuff that we have you do in the gym, now you're, you're starting
0: from a baseline of being a much better fat burner than everyone else around you. So just so I wrap my head around this, is your heart rate dictating how much fat you can burn based on how... No. So, so your heart rate is dictating how much oxygen you're putting uh, through
3: your, your system, and it's because it's delivering oxygen to the muscles and the muscles are using oxygen to burn fat mm. they don't they, they can burn glycogen or glucose with oxygen but they also burn without without oxygen, oxygen. Okay. so you know like you could run a 100 meter sprint with your uh, nose plugged and you it, there's no oxygen involved it's fine. all it, you, yeah, yeah. yeah you'd still want to breathe you'd want to <laughs> breathe at the end of it but <laughs> yeah. and you'd have to breathe to, to recover to yes. recycle but you don't need that oxygen to burn that mm-hmm. full amount of, gotcha. uh, so so when we when we train the body to become more efficient at burning fat and by the way the heart it's interesting the heart we're not training the heart to be stronger the heart's already pretty strong so the heart doesn't get stronger does, the heart doesn't have a pr right <laughs> okay. you know what i mean it does, yes. what, it does what it does but what happens is you become more efficient at, at with with the materials that the heart gives you so if the heart is pumping oxygen x amount of oxygen and you're not good at burning fat; you can't do anything with that oxygen. Mm. But the better you are at burning fat, the more you can use that oxygen and burn the fat in the mitochondria and avoid having to go into that um, glycogen uh, storage situation. Okay. All right. So it's it's really about training you to, to become more efficient at burning fat. Gotcha. Not forever, but it's certainly through the base building uh, mm. phase. Okay. And that's that's a, a just a huge hurdle for a lot of. Endurance athletes to overcome because they go. Wait a minute, I can I can already run seven minute miles. Why am I Why am I dropping down to thirteens? But invariably and across the board, we see as, as if they stick to this for weeks at a time, they become more and more efficient. So now we know that that now you're running 7 minute thirty second miles, and you're burning you're getting ninety two percent of your of your energy from fat. Wow. So that when you do decide to run those six minute miles. Now you're you're starting from having burn more fat and you don't
0: have to use as much glycogen Interesting. to get there. Interesting. Okay, cool. Um structured intensity, what does this mean? Uh it it means
3: uh p- partly means you've got to go into the gym and do some some heavy lifting. Yes. But not a lot. Okay. And this is if you want to be an endurance athlete. If you endure- yeah, if you want That's even right. if you even if you want to be an endurance athlete, one of things that, that athletes used to avoid like the plague was the gym. Right. They would, or if they went, they would do you know fifty repetitions of a light weight because they're mm. thinking, well, you know, I'm doing when I'm running a marathon, I'm running <clears throat> you know three thousand repetitions of 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 a leg turnover, yeah, yeah, so yeah. why don't I simulate that in the? But you're saying lifting yeah. some weights is going to be key to your endurance as well. So what happens in any long endurance contest, in addition to running out of fuel, is you run out you, your your power uh, decreases because you haven't trained the power. Uh, an example would be you've got three hills to climb in a bike race. The first one, you go up with 100% of your power. The second one, even though you have energy, your muscle fibers are, mm-hmm. they've been exhausted and they, they haven't trained to sustain your power. So now you go up the second hill at 82% of your max mm-hmm. power. And you might go up the third hill at 65% of your max power. Well, if we could train those muscle fibers deeper and deeper to, to sustain power for those, for those efforts that require actual power, uh, we can, we can maybe go up that first hill at 100 and go up that hill, second hill at 100 mm-hmm. and that third hill at 95. Right. So we do this work in the gym where you load muscle fibers up with fairly heavy weights. It's, it's typically 80% of your one rep max. And we do sequential, um, repetitions with, with sequential rest in between. So it's not like you do, uh, three sets of, of five and you stop. It's like you do, uh, three repetitions, rest, Ten seconds, three repetitions. Rest ten seconds. Two repetitions. Rest ten seconds. Rest twenty seconds, and and to, until you can't finish one good rep, mm-hmm. and then the workout's over. So it's not you just did one set, and it might have might have comprised two hundred repetitions, right, right? But that maximally loaded the fibers deeper and deeper, and gave you this ability to sustain power.
0: Gotcha. Um, and the next thing you talk about is lifestyle practices. What do you mean by that?
3: Well, so now we talk about everything else but the training. So if you're, you know, it's it's uh, spending time with your family, it's playing playing games with your, you know, uh, playing frisbee with your dog, uh, uh, playing ultimate with your with your with your friends. It's, uh, um, you know, it's all of the other things that make life enjoyable. Mm -hmm. That as an endurance athlete, I know I used to go. Well, I can't I can't afford to do that. I might get injured, or I might you know right, right. i can't like i can't go skiing because i might twist a uh, twist a knee well if you do the training right and you spend that time in the gym you're less likely to twist a knee skiing than if you were uh you know than, than if you were just going to the slopes without having right. done any training at all sure sure right so um we 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 want people to have a full life because training for endurance contests should be preparation for an undertaking that you would not want to counter on a daily Mm -hmm. basis you know you want to wake up in the morning and go i got that 10k today i gotta go clean out my gi tract i'm so nervous you know (laughs) but you want to you want to be that nervous because you want to put it all on the line that day what we're saying is don't put it all on the line every day in your training have fun um you know do the do the right sort of training that builds this this beast that when you get to the race, you're you're gonna enjoy it, you're gonna have fun, you're gonna perform probably better than if you'd done the old paradigm of training. Right. But you'll have lived a life in the interim. I mean okay. I so many of my, you know, ex triathlete marathon buddies, you know, couldn't have a relationship. It was
0: just mm-hmm. you know, imagine They put all their energy in this one thing.
3: Yeah. I mean they you know, it's like uh the the wife says, Can't you stay home and cuddle, you know, on a <laughs> Saturday morning and the husband goes, No, I got a hundred mile ride I gotta do. Yeah. You know, and uh then I'm gonna go You know, run after that, and then I'm going to take a nap because I'm going to feel like crap because I I did so much. So, we we try to look at 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 the life in general and say, well, an awesome life includes participating in these events, participating in life, and doing well. But it also includes participating in life. Yeah, yeah. So not to the exclusion of all of of everything else.
0: What feedback would you give an entrepreneur listening or someone with a, a busy schedule about how to live this lifestyle? You know, they want to be a primal athlete in their daily life, but they also want to run a business and they're spending a lot of time and energy into this one thing. Yeah. Maybe their entrepreneurial life is like this marathon life that we're talking about where they put all their energy into this one thing and they're not doing anything else. Yeah. What would you suggest? You're so, doing it, you've got the healthy lifestyle and you're running a multi million dollar business, multiple of them, you know, what would you suggest to them? So, um, you know, there there are ways to have it all and uh but you can't be like the best
3: endurance athlete in the world and uh, a, a really successful entrepreneur. So you got to mm-hmm. choose how much of the endurance athlete you want to be. I would suggest yeah. that that for me the best choice was I want to I want to tow the starting line with with the least amount of training possible to still kick ninety percent of the field's ass. Mm-hmm. Right. So I for me the goal is almost how little can I get away with to get the maximum result. to get the maximum result. Without having to go, okay, because because if it's going to take you know twenty percent of the effort to get eighty percent of the result, mm-hmm. I'm not willing to put in the other eighty percent to win the thing right. anymore. Or or and maybe I won't even win the thing because maybe yeah. I'll, I'll I'll have overtrained. So now you're back to the to the entrepreneur slash endurance athlete. Get a stand up desk and a tread desk. So I have a tread treadmill. Mm-hmm. Uh, every, every one of my employees has a treadmill at their really? at, yeah at their at their work. Now they, I don't force them to use it. So yeah, I was like, they can they but want. they can. They at, they request it. I give it to them. So you could put in eight miles. Walking easily, and no one on the phone or even on the Skype will know that you're walking. Yes, you know, because so, you can make it uphill, whatever. Um, take lots of take frequent breaks and you know, drop and do some push ups or mm-hmm. some air squats. Uh, what I do is um, I like to I like to go for a paddle, and I'll bring a, um, a recording device on a stand up paddle board, and I'll if I get my great ideas when I'm paddling, uh-huh. so I'll just record my ideas. Right uh,
0: or I don't fall uh, in.
3: Well, this, it's a plastic bag. I can, And, I, I, and I, by the way, I, <laughs> I almost never fall in. That's so I, I typically will paddle for an hour and a half. I'll step on, get wet up to my calves, wow. and step off, wet that's wet up to good. my calves. But um, the other thing is um, hiking. So if you want to do some serious hiking, mm-hmm. um, bring a headset in your phone. Make make yeah. business calls while you are hiking. I got a friend who's basically a billionaire, and that's where he makes most of his business calls. Wow! On his, he does two hours of hiking a day. Nobody knows he's hiking. That he's hiking. Yeah. Wow. Okay.
0: Yeah. Awesome.
3: And then, so the so the the grunt work you do in the gym takes almost no time. It's not like you have to spend an hour mm-hmm. in the gym doing any of this stuff. Like I said, that uh, that maximum sustained power workout I just described is basically a, a, a short warm up, maybe ten minutes of doing it, and then you're done. Mm-hmm. And and if if you could do it in two days later or three days later, you didn't do it hard enough that gotcha. day, right? Gotcha. So we want you to take a week to recover from <sighs> that. From that specific work, doesn't mean you can't go walk the next day or do anything else the next day, but you, you just wouldn't want to repeat, you know, a heavy leg day the next right, day. Right, right, right. Exactly. So it's, it's how you, this is the sort of orchestrated structural components to this thing where you, when you put it all together, you, you can have it all. You can be an effective, efficient entrepreneur mm. and you can compete against all of those other, uh, guys who are, you know, claiming they're going to kick your ass in the 10K or the Spartan race or whatever it is. Right, right. I love that. Um,
0: and we talked about the diet already, but the last thing is proper recovery. So, how much, you know, is when do you know you're overtraining?
3: Well, so there there are all sorts of metrics. I mean, you just wake up in the morning, and if you haven't slept well and you're, you know, you're sore, then you're probably overtraining. If
0: you're, should we not feel that soreness at all?
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's it's appropriate to feel. You can feel it on a day to day basis, but not on a week to week basis. Mm. So you can feel sore after a workout, you know, today, or yesterday, or two days ago. But I think if you're still feeling sore. Uh, for days on end, then you're probably linking together too many hard workouts, or you might have uh, you might have overreached gotcha. on one of your workouts. So uh, th- that's one indicator. Um, we have a, a metric that we use called heart rate variability (HRV), and you can buy these apps uh, that measure the time between heartbeats. Mm. And you'd think that the that that you'd want to see a metronomic beat, like uh, a, an exact amount of time spaced between each heartbeat but it turns out that that's an indication of overtraining okay. that in fact the heart we, we want the heart to be beating almost in demand to whatever's being called upon in in real time so there might be a 0.8 second s- skip and then a 1.1 second skip and then a 1.2 and then a 0.8 and then a 0.9 okay and that's heart rate variability and and you can and if you if you've got a good heart rate variability score it's probably a good indicator that you're that you're rested and and, and well trained and ready to mm. go again
0: okay cool um couple questions left for you. This has been great information. And I want people to go check out primalblueprint.com so you can see all the books, especially Primal Endurance, the new one, but all the books, the products, everything else. If you want to own a restaurant, you can learn about that too. Um, a few questions left for you. What's a question that you've done tons of interviews over the last decade alone from from everything you've been doing? What's a question that no one's ever asked you? You've always wanted to answer. Oh, wow.
3: You should give me time to think about that one. Uh. <laughs> Is
0: there anything that comes to mind?
3: No, because um, I've been I've done a lot of interviews and I've been asked a lot of questions. Um, yeah, I, I'd
0: have to give that some thought. Okay. What's something small you've done that you're really proud of that not a lot of people know about you? It's it's not that small, but not a lot of people know
3: that I um, I helped get uh, triathlon in the Olympic Games by changing, uh, dr- drastically changing one of the rules of the sport. Really? Yeah.
0: You got it in the Olympic Games.
3: Well, I was, I, no, I, I didn't personally get it in, but I got, I was, I was on uh, a board of the International Triathlon Union, which is, which was the International Federation for the Sport of Triathlon. Wow. And for the first 15 years of triathlon, there was no drafting allowed on the bike. And I convinced uh, the board to change that rule to allow drafting on the bike, which, Pissed off every every top triathlete in the world at the time, but it was the only way we, we could get into the Olympic Games. Really? Yeah. So that's that, that move allowed uh, allowed us to have races where 50 people could be close to each oh. other, and you, you didn't have to, to disqualify them for being too close for drafting.
0: Um, wow. And it made for
3: much uh, more telegenic events and things like that. It just
0: following one person at a time. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So. And then you qualified for the Olympic trials, right? Uh, in, the,
3: in the marathon, yeah. In the marathon, yeah. not in the trials. Right, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah.
0: Well, that's awesome. What was your, your fastest marathon?
3: I ran two eighteen. Yeah. That's good. It's really fast. Yeah. Well, it wasn't fast enough. But it was. But it wasn't. You know, in those days, that's I mean, fast. You know, I it was yeah seventies and eighties or whatever yeah. it
0: was. It's really fast. Okay, it's one of your uh, it's one of your final days. Yeah. Many many years from now. Yep. Yeah. And uh, all your books have been erased. Everything you've created is gone. Yep. Yeah and you have a piece of paper by your bed, and all your friends and family are there, and they ask you to write down three things that you know to be true about your experience in life, the three simple truths that you would pass on to them to essentially all your lessons down to three things, what would they be? Um, The first one is, uh, if it were easy,
3: everyone would be be doing it. Does that resonate with you? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Um, The second one is um, absolutely find... As much joy in every moment as you possibly can. In other words, live in the now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the third is, I'm gonna say, always be in a relationship. Always be in a relationship. Yeah. What type of relationship? Either, either with someone else or yourself.
0: Hmm. Okay. Why? Why that?
3: Well, um, because I think, first of all, I think we, you know, we're, we're sort of. Groom to be in a relationship of some kind. Mm. Uh, and that's, I think, not just groom, we're, you know, are, we're hardwired to be in a relationship, I believe. Uh, and, and it doesn't have to be the same person forever, but, you know, sort of, we have relationships come and go. Mm-hmm. And I just find that, that most of the time when you're in a relationship, you're experiencing, uh, the better parts of life. <laughs> and if you're not in a relationship, then if you're in a good relationship with yourself, And you and you you have that self love. You're still able to experience Mm, that stuff. That's cool. But as opposed to saying I'm a loner, um, I don't you know I'm fine alone and I can cruise through life and do whatever it is. Right. Okay. That's cool. That just came to me, by the way. So I haven't Mm. been working on that for a long time. No, that's great.
0: That's great. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, What are you grateful for in your life right now? Oh my God,
3: I am. I could not. uh, The list is so long. I'm grateful for um, my my uh, my path. And how it got me to where I am. So I'm grateful for every bad thing that happened to me, and there were a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm grateful for my wife and for my kids. I have an awesome wife, two awesome kids. I'm grateful for um, the the time that we live in that would allow me to to be able to talk to millions of people. Mm-hmm. Because 20 years ago, that w- wouldn't have been able would not have been able to do this. Right. You know, the internet and and this this. Uh, this ability to to reach out to millions of people, tens of millions of people, right, wouldn't right. Have existed. So I'm grateful for that. I'm certainly grateful for my health. Mm-hmm. Um, grateful uh, that I'm uh, uh, grateful for good food. I mean, just. And by the way, that's, I mean, that's, I think that's important is to mm. spend a little bit of time each day. F- just, I mean, I, I remember I was, I'm, I'm grateful for this awesome pen that just writes perfectly when mm. I'm trying to
0: take notes, you know, <laughs> right. where
3: does pen come from? Right, right, right. Okay. Yeah.
0: There you go. I love it. Um, final two questions. If you had all the money in the world to spend on one thing and you had to spend it on something, um what would you spend it on? Wow to uh, solve to solve like a problem in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What would you spend it on? That would automatically change it forever that problem and be solved. Yeah. I mean, I
3: I'd, I'd uh I would sp- spend it on a uh on a on a food project that had uh that that not only fed people mm. but fed them without Causing further downstream problems. I will give an example of what I mean by causing further downstream. We can provide grain to most of the world, but all that does is just keep them alive long enough to get um, type two diabetes or scurvy diseases, or beriberi disease it or whatever. Costs more money, right? So, and I, I don't mean to sound you know harsh about that, but there's a lot more to it than providing grain. So, I would like to, you know, mm-hmm. fix the 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 world's food problem. I'd probably um, do something like. Uh, a massive grazing program that would that would reclaim uh, desertified lands using Alan Savory's methods of of grazing beasts, growing grass, and grazing mm-hmm. beasts, and creating more topsoil. That 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 would be that would be the single project that I'd probably yeah. yeah.
0: That's cool. Um final question before I ask, where should we go for you personally? Primal Blueprint PrimalBlueprint dot but where where are you personally online that we should connect Yeah, with? Mark's Daily
3: Apple is my blog. That's the best Mark's place Daily to Apple. find out about what I do and we blog there every day and every day you got an yeah, article, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Every day for ten years.
0: And you do most of the writing, don't you? I do
3: a lot of the writing. A lot now of writing. Now I have, you know, um uh, Mondays is a Q and a, that's easy. Um, but, uh, Fridays we do a, a, a success story. So that's nice. always somebody writing in their, their, nice. s- their, story. It's been that way for eight years. It's phenomenal. We have a, re- a, a recipe on Saturday, um, uh, link love on Sunday. So, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Very cool. Uh,
0: well, I want to acknowledge you, Mark, for your, for, for teaching the young generation how to live young at an older age. It's incredible. You're 62, right? Yeah. 62 i'm 33 i feel like you're way better shape than i am i don't know about You've that you got a ton but... of energy you're so <laughs> we'll really... find out when you come play frisbee yeah, you'll be in better shape for sure the first time maybe a few more times um but your consistency in in educating the world and ed- educating yourself and constantly learning and evolving is so inspiring so i want to acknowledge you for your oh, thank you. incredible commitment and consistency to teaching and educating and your, your reach to 10 million people and beyond is, is happening in a powerful way. So I appreciate and acknowledge you for that. Thank you so much. Uh, the final question is, yeah. what's your definition of greatness? Uh, definition of greatness is um, a living a
3: life of uh, grace and ease and, uh, and success by your definition.
0: Mark mm. Sisson, thanks so much, man. Appreciate Thank it. You, you bet. And there you have it, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please share this with your friends, lewishouse.com slash 314. All the show notes and the full video interview is back at that link on my site slash 314. Go ahead and tweet me at Lewis or tag me on Instagram or on Facebook and let me know what you thought of this interview. And also tag Mark as well over there. All of his information is back on the show notes as well, so you can follow him on social media check out his books and all of his incredible products thanks again for all you do to support the podcast and the movement of greatness you guys are incredible i love you very much and you know what time it is it's time to go out there and do something great